Dr. Luis Sandoval is accomplished in the fields of mental health and spiritual warfare. A medical doctor, board certified in neurology, psychiatry, and family medicine, he is also a psychiatrist for the Roman Catholic Diocese of Orange, Ministry of Healing and Deliverance. Now, Dr. Luis Sandoval. All right, welcome to Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here on Bridge of Most Powerful Radio. Uh, as always, a pleasure to have all of our listeners here um, with us today. We are going to be talking about a feast that's coming up. So this uh, today should be the uh, August 12th, but this Sunday should be the Assumption of Our Lady. Interesting feast, beautiful feast, um, interesting feast, but fitting that here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio, which our station is dedicated to Our Lady, um, that we discuss uh, one of the most important feasts and dogmas of the church. But let's get started with the Angelus here at the top of the noon hour. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary, and she conceived of the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord, be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou amongst women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O Holy Mother of God, that we be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we, to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection, through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle, and be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. May God rebuke and we humbly pray unto thou, O Prince of the Heavenly Host, by the power of God, cast into hell Satan and all the evil spirits who prowl around the world, seeking the ruin of souls. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You know, the Feast of the Assumption of Our Lady, August 15th, it's an interesting feast. It's a beautiful feast where, um, you know, we celebrate the fact that Our Lady, as is taught by the dogma of the church, went into heaven. She was assumed body and soul into heaven. Um, interesting because it kind of reminds me, it parallels to me in my mind, the resurrection of Christ, right? So Christ rises from the dead. He came back and he was still body and soul. He, when he talked to the apostles, he said, no, this is, I have my body. Look at this. This is not, I'm not a ghost. You know, I have flesh. I have wounds. And in fact, I'm hungry. Give me something to eat. And he ate with them to show them he still had a body. Our lady, we believe due to the fact that she uh, had no original sin and was full of grace as the angel told her in the gospel of Luke, as uh, uh, the archangel Gabriel told her, then it stands to reason that she would not suffer from the corruption of her body if it was already perfected. She already had a perfected body um, and was taken up into heaven. Um, the interesting thing, though, is that we forget. Sometimes it's easy to say the assumption of Our Lady, you know, and she had no no sins, and we forget, and it's easy to forget that just like Christ said, for Christ who was perfect, without a, a Good Friday, there is no Easter Sunday. You know, Christ did that to save us. A lot of times the idea of Our Lady as a co-redemptrix comes about, um, that she participated with Christ in our salvation, that she participated, in fact, that she was there, obviously said yes to our Lord, bore Christ, 
brought him to earth, gave was a portal for Christ to come to earth. And uh, through her, yes, she was there. She, she raised him. She walked with him. She was his mother. And she suffered with him on the cross. Maybe not in the sense that she was making up for her sins directly because we, you know, a lot of theologians will argue and whatnot that we weren't offending Our Lady. But the fact that she was there with Christ and she was suffering with Christ, um, she could be our co-redemptress. She, she offered all of her sufferings for the world as our mother, you know, and in that respect, the assumption of Our Lady, we can't see it. It's easy to see it as, oh, well, Christ rose from the dead, but we can't separate Christ rising from the dead without the idea that he suffered from us and died on the cross. And today's show, what I want to look at is, you know, in the uh, month of August, we celebrate the Assumption, but Our Lady also had her moment of passion, and we celebrate that, and we recognize that in the seven sorrows of Our Lady, which the next month coming up, September, is dedicated to. So let's look at a few things. Let's look at what the Assumption of Our Lady is, uh, how we celebrate it, what, you know, as the feast is coming up this Sunday. But then I also want to look at what are the seven sorrows of Our Lady? How did that come about? Who is St. Bridget of Sweden? And what are these promises associated with our seven sorrows? Why would it be important to even consider the seven sorrows of Our Lady? So quickly, there's really, the interesting part is that it, it, there's no real defined text in the Bible that talks about the assumption of Our Lady. Now, some people will say, if you read the book of Revelation, um, there's a passage there. If you look at chapter 12, verse 7 or verse 4, um, sometimes those are considered, uh, you know, as, as our, our Lady. There's also history in the Old Testament. But let's look at a couple of articles here and a couple of interesting things, um, just as a general uh, idea behind Our Lady. <clears throat> And so this says the assumption of Mary is according to Revelation twelve fourteen, the woman that born Jesus Christ, that mentioned in Revelation twelve one, a woman was given the two wings of a great eagle, so that she might fly into this place prepared for her in the wilderness, where she would take care of for a time, times and half a time out of the serpent's reach. <clears throat> so the church observes this obviously on August fifteenth. Um, it also marks it as it is a holy day of obligation. This year it happens to be on a Sunday. Um, and it's a very interesting topic. It was elevated to dogma by Pope Pius XII on November 1st, 1950. And it is actually observed in both the Eastern Rite and the Western Rite of the Catholic Church. We call it the Assumption of Our Lady. In the Eastern Orthodox Catholic Church, they call it the Dormition of the Mother of God or the Theotokos, uh, the Dormition of the Falling Asleep of the Mother of God, um, you know, in terms of that since she was the new Eve, she didn't have a physical death. We assume that she did not struggle in her death and she was just assumed into heaven. So that's an important point to make. There was an interesting article on the assumption um, <clears throat> that was written uh, in, by a Franciscan priest, by in the Franciscan spirit. Um, and it says, what does the catechism teach? Oh, excuse me. What does Catholicism teach about the Assumption of Mary? And why is this even contemplated uh, in the fourth glorious mystery? So obviously we recognize this in the fourth glorious mystery of the rosary. Uh, when we pray that, it's the Assumption of Our Lady. But let's see what the catechism says. And the catechism um, says, first in discussing the Assumption of the, of the Catechism, it affirms that Mary did not suffer from original sin, but was conceived full of grace. So according to this doctrine, known as the Immaculate Conception, right? And where do we hear about the Immaculate Conception? Uh, we hear about that in Our Lady of Lourdes, right? God's supernatural life dwelt in Mary from the beginning of her existence. It is important to emphasize that from a Catholic perspective, the Immaculate Conception is not simply about Mary. 
Hmm, let's see why that is. This doctrine, which has its roots in early Christianity, ultimately is about the mystery of Jesus Christ. God became man in Mary's womb. Since Jesus truly is the all-holy God, the second person of the Trinity, Catholics believe he is worthy to dwell in a pure vessel, a holy temple. Thus it is fitting that God would prepare Mary as an immaculate dwelling place, full of grace and not stained by sin, for the God-man. There was no other way. She had to have been full of grace and have no sin, because if you are going to have a vessel where you are going to have Christ, it has to be perfect, which is why, you know, we can't produce that. And so people can say, well, you know, when we do communion, when the priest uh, uh, does a consecration, our vessels, we want precious metals. We want to be as perfect as we find here on earth. And we're going to say, gosh, even those have imperfections, right? You're not going to find a perfect gold or a perfect silver or whatever the precious metal is made out of. But it's the best that we have to offer as human beings that we can make, um, which is why it's important that when our vessels are made of a beautiful material uh, for the body of Christ, it's the vessel that's going to hold the body of Christ. It makes sense that if God could create a human being to hold his son, it would probably have a high level of perfection. So sin is not compatible with God. It would be impossible for God to be brought into the into the world where there's any imperfection. Even the slightest speck of dust uh, would be a problem. Speck of sin would be a problem. So Our Lady, by just logic, had to be full of grace and fully perfect, um, free from any sin. The Annunciation scene in Luke's Gospel, the article goes on to say, may at least point in this direction. The angel Gabriel greets Mary, hail, full of grace. The Greek word in Luke's Gospel for full of grace is in a perfect passive participle form, so important grammar, nerdy stuff there, but that indicates that she has already been filled with God's saving grace even before Jesus was conceived in her womb, which means that she didn't need to be perfected by Christ, but God already made her in that way. As we will see, the Immaculate Conception will serve as a basis for understanding Mary's assumption. What about Mary's death? So this is another important thing. The Catechism, what does it teach us? It says, the Catechism teaches that Mary was taken to heaven when the course of her earthly life was finished. The Church does not declare whether Mary died when she was assumed into heaven or whether she was assumed before she died, which leaves open both possibilities, which is why in the Eastern Church they call it the Dormition. Our Lady fell asleep in the Lord. It wasn't a death, she, she fell asleep. However, the majority of theologians and saints throughout the centuries have affirmed that Mary did experience death. Not as a penalty for sin, but in conformity with her son, who willingly experienced death on our behalf. In support of this latter view, John Paul II said, The mother is not superior to the son who underwent death, giving it a new meaning and changing it into a means of salvation. So, you know, the theologians go back and forth. Did she experience death? Did she not? Did she fall asleep in the Lord? Did she just kind of go to sleep and wake up in heaven? You know, I think that's the kind of thing that we will discover when we get to heaven. But there's there's uh, interesting to see that Mary might have experienced a type of death, not as a penalty to sin, but just like Jesus experienced death, ma- making it a means of salvation. Another uh, element there where we could consider her a co-redemptrix. Um, third, the catechism refers that Mary takes a has, was taken body and soul into heavenly glory right after the end of her earthly life. One of the consequences of original sin is corruption of the body, but in Mary, who was full of grace and did not suffer from original sin, it is fitting that she, like her son, would not experience such bodily corruption. This is what's so important. We need to understand that Our Lady was perfect. She was conceived without original sin. It wouldn't make sense for her to be a vessel for God who is perfect and have any imperfections. This is what's so important and so beautiful about us celebrating the Assumption. When we come back, we're going to talk about 
how even though Mary was without sin, her life was not without pain. More on the other side of the world. All right, well, welcome back to the Dr. Louis Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Um, today, we are talking about the Assumption, and not just the Assumption. So we're going to celebrate the Feast of the Assumption, beautiful feast of Our Lady finally making it to heaven after her earthly journey here. Um, but the important part for us as Catholics, sometimes we think, you know, Mary was perfect and she didn't suffer. And so, you know, she might not be relating to us or, you know, she's so perfect that she might not understand us or she's out of reach or how could somebody who is that perfect, um, come to understand us or, or even understand our plight. You know, a lot of people say, Oh, well you guys pray to Mary. Um, and yeah, we do the same way I would ask anybody else to pray for me. I ask our lady, she intercedes for us. We don't worship our lady because she's not God. And it's always important to make those distinctions. Um, but for us here, I think a lot of the times in terms of when we think about our mental health and we think about uh, reaching perfection, sometimes it seems like it's so far away because obviously Christ is perfect, Mary's perfect, and they, through the graces that God gave them, um, you know, Our Lady was was uh, conceived as the Immaculate Conception, makes it to heaven, she's assumed it to heaven. What can I hope for myself who am not perfect? Well, we got to remember though that we always love to see the glory of stories, but we forget that there is a suffering, that there is a good Friday that we all have to go through. And for us, if we don't have that level of perfection, we can turn to Our Lady um, to help us reach that. How would she relate? It's no different than saying somebody who's an expert at something can look at how something should be, whether it be, say, an athlete or a painter or a musician, and they can, if they're an expert and they're almost perfect at this, they can see what you're doing and they can say, oh, I see what you're doing. They don't, you know, they could be a bad teacher and put you down and say, oh gosh, you'll never get there. Or if any teacher is worth their salt, they always believe that every student not only can get to their level, but can surpass them. Now, I don't anticipate that I'm going to ever surpass Our Lady or any of us would, but at the same time, being the expert, she can look at our lives. We can ask her to look at our lives and help us understand um, what it is that we're doing, how we're failing, and what we need to perfect. And from a loving mother's way, I doubt that she would put us down. I think that she would just say, no, look, practice like this. Keep doing it this way. Why is this important? Because as Our Lady is assumed into heaven, she can help us also get to heaven. We can't forget that she went through her own Good Friday, her own passion, if you will, um, and we celebrate that in the seven sorrows of Our Lady. In fact, next month, um, the month of September is dedicated to the seven sorrows. So I want to actually start a uh, another challenge. I know that I did the Holy Hour Challenge. For anybody who did that, I think that was great. That was a wonderful uh, practice to get peace in our lives. And I got to say, every time I go to the Holy Hour, um, it, it it's never without reward because I've learned through my challenge. I learned to let go of a lot of things. My new challenge is I want to be able to do a novena to our, the seven sorrows of our lady, um, start preparing for it. And I'm going to prepare for that so that in September, um, we can have, um, a better understanding of what we need to do to perfect our lives. The devotion to Our Lady of Seven Sorrows. Let's talk about that a little bit. Let's talk about why this challenge would be important and what that means in our lives in terms of perfecting ourselves, in terms of our spiritual health, our mental health, and our physical health. So it goes back to, we've got to talk, if we're going to talk about Our Lady of Seven Sorrows, or the Seven Sorrows of Our Lady, um, 
we got to talk about St. Bridget of Sweden because this is who the seven sorrows were revealed to. So St. Bridget, she was born in 1303 in Upland, Sweden. Um, she ended up dying uh, on July 23rd, 1373. Uh, she was about 70 years old. Um, and she died in uh, Rome. She's venerated in the Catholic Church, the Anglican Church, and the Lutheran Church. She was canonized, so her feast day is October 7th, 1391, by Pope Boniface. Okay, and then she is the patron saint of Europe, Sweden, and widows. She was actually married um, for a long time, I believe. She was, uh, let me see here. She was a mystic, a saint, the founder of the Brigittine nuns and monks. And after her death and her husband of 20 years, she was married for 20 years is when she became a nun. So anything is possible with God. This is where it's important to understand the lives of saints and see it in the lives of what we see. You know, we think it's impossible for us to be assumed into heaven, which probably would be, but that's not what we're called to. You know, St. Bridget of Sweden, she was married for 20 years and then she ended up becoming a nun and forming uh, an order. So anything is possible for God. But um, the important thing about this is that our, the uh, tradition holds that Our Lady, uh, let me see if I find my right article here, <clears throat> Our Lady talked to St. Bridget of her seven sorrows. So let's look at this. Our Lady's seven promises to those who meditate on her seven sorrows. So like I was saying before, the month of September uh, is dedicated in the church to Our Lady of Seven Sorrows. The feast day is actually a month after the Assumption, so this is why it's so proper that we start to prepare now. We're going to celebrate the Assumption on Sunday. A month later, the feast day will be September 15th, and it will be uh, it falls on the octave of the Feast of Mary's Nativity on September 8th. So I think this is a great novena to have. Let's remember that when Our Lady was born into this world, she was not born into a life of perfection or without sorrow or without suffering, even though she was perfect herself. Um, and so we're going to look at this and we're going to, it says, uh, I'm sorry, this article says, for this is what Our Lady was born for, the reason for her immaculate conception, to be a co-sufferer with Christ for the redemption of mankind. Her soul was perfectly conceived so that she could suffer perfectly with her son. Does that make sense? No matter how much suffering I do, I'm still imperfect. And even if I suffer for somebody else, my sufferings are not going to be as perfect as the sufferings of Christ or the sufferings of Our Lady because they were without sin. My sufferings will still be from a person who is, uh, you know, suffers from sin, suffers from uh, my own self selfishness, my own, let's say that I, I, somebody tells me, Hey, will you uh, pray for me? Will you offer a fasting for me? And I will, but is it truly, truly pure? Or do I also have my own thoughts of like, well, I'm going to offer a fasting for them. And I wonder what I'm going to get at the same time, as far as graces, or um, do I feel holier because I did that? You know, these are the imperfections that we can all of a sudden start to, uh, as human beings and their natural tendencies, um, that we might have, but our lady at that point never would have never elevated herself the same way that Christ as our gospel tells us, as, as the scriptures tell us being God himself, never elevated, never deemed himself equal to God. Our lady being perfect herself, never always had a spirit of a hundred percent humility. She never saw herself as greater than anything else. This is why the sufferings are perfect. We, in our human nature, we want to elevate ourselves in different ways. So let's keep reading about our lady of sorrows. Um, our lady of sorrows, uh, are also a special subject of meditation during the Lenten season. We know this, we celebrate that on Friday of the Passion Week is dedicated to her seven sorrows. So Friday of the Passion Week is dedicated to Our Lady of Seven Sorrows, again, to remind us that Our Lady also had her Good Friday. She suffered along with Christ. It wasn't a life of perfection. We see the assumption and we think, oh, how beautiful Our Lady was perfect and she went to heaven. And it, we might automatically assume or think that she didn't suffer much. 
but this is important to remember that she did suffer. Um, the devotion to Our Lady of Sorrows recalls the Blessed Virgin Mary's spiritual martyrdom and the virtue of her perfect union with the Passion of Christ as she stood resolutely at the foot of the cross. This was her role in salvation history and what merited her place as the spiritual mother of all Christians. Mary's suffering was prophesied by Simeon, who said to her at the time of baby Jesus' dedication in the temple. And this is what St. Simeon said. He said in Luke chapter 2, This child is destined for the falling and the rising of many in Israel, and to be a sign that will be opposed to the inner thoughts of many will be revealed. The sword will pierce your own soul too. So this is a big deal because already, already at the presentation of Christ, Our Lady's coming, doing the right thing, presenting Christ, and she feels that piercing of her soul, the first sorrow. Um, The high price that had been paid for the sin of mankind, the incarnation and death of the God-man was fully and completely felt in the heart of the mother of God. Given that she is perfect, given that she is without stain, the level of pain she would feel would be immensely greater than that what we would feel. The same way that if anybody ever listens to Divine Mercy, Father Chris Aylar was talking about how Christ being perfect himself, the level of pain he felt in the crucifixion was infinite because he was taking on the pain of all of humanity. It's much more than the pain that we feel as individuals. This most privileged and highest of all God's creatures felt acutely in her soul the depth of pain and suffering heaped upon her son as none of her children can ever fully imagine or understand. But we try. So meditating on the lady, on Our Lady's seven sorrows inspires us at least these things, a realization of how greatly sin offends God, true contrition for our own sins, gratitude to Jesus for our salvation, inspiration to not commit even the smallest of sins, a deeper understanding of the battle between good and evil, and a desire to pray for the conversion of sinners. Now, this comes with promises that we meditate on Our Lady's seven sorrows, but do we even know what these sorrows are? It's important to think about this because I think it's, it's very consoling. You know, when I see people in clinic, when we hear about different um, ailments and depressions and anxieties, it can be very easy for us to feel alone in that because it's a lonely place and it's a painful place. Let's not forget, if somebody's suffering from depression or anxiety, there's actually pain involved with that and it's physical pain. You know, a lot of times people say, oh, it's psychosomatic. And so, um, it's very easy to go to your primary care doctor and say, doc, I've got all these different pains and ailments and my muscles hurt and my stomach hurts and I'm not feeling too good. And, you know, all these different things happen. And unfortunately, sometimes we get, uh, um, sometimes as, as physicians, we can get a little bit cynical or a little bit frustrated because when you're experiencing pain, we call it psychosomatic pain, which means that the pain is very real. The pain you're experiencing in your body is very real, but there's no medication for it because the mind is so powerful. Now, this, it's a terrible thing to say, well, it's all in your mind because it feels like you're being blown off. But the truth is, it is all in your mind. But the caveat to that, there's a little asterisk, that's how powerful the mind is. So Our Lady might not have experienced physical pain directly from being, uh, say, hit or crucified herself. But if in her heart and in her mind, she was experiencing psychosomatic pain, that's Uh, that's a pain that can be very, very frustrating for many people. Sometimes you end up with a diagnosis of something called fibromyalgia um, or neuropathy. And what that really means is you are experiencing pain. And you know what the hardest part of that pain is? I don't have a specific medication for it. It's probably all over the body. There's not a whole lot I can do. I can walk with you on that pain, but I don't have a particular cure. It's not like having a cut where I can say, oh, well, let's clean that up and let's give you some antibiotics or let's see what you need. Let's bandage that up and you're going to feel better. When you experience this type of pain that our lady would have felt, 
It's psychosomatic pain, the same pain that you would experience if you are going through a depression, if you are going through an anxiety, if you are going through a psychosis, or the best way to explain it, which we all experience, is when we go through grief. If somebody passes away, if there's something that we're grieving, we are in pain and we can say, I'm in pain. It hurts me to grieve. I can't explain that to somebody if they've never experienced it. But there is a real pain that goes along with it, that there is no cure or medication and only time can console and only prayer. That's why when we grieve, what do we do? We pray, we, we have prayers for our loved ones. We hopefully pray for ourselves and Our Lady experiences. We can't deny that Our Lady experienced all this pain before her assumption, before her resurrection, if you will, um, into heaven or before her being invited into heaven um, or taken into heaven, however you want to uh, imagine that or discuss that, the point of all this is Our Lady did suffer and so she understands our suffering. We can bring our sufferings to her. Um, the seven sorrows of Our Lady are listed as such. Um, let me see here. Oh, no, these are the promises. Let's look at the sorrows first. The first sorrow is the prophecy, prophecy of St. Simeon. Um, where St. Simeon told her, uh, let me see, here's the passage. Where did I, I lost that passage? But St. Simeon told her, I, actually, I just read it before. Uh, there's going to be a sword that will pierce your heart. And this is in Luke chapter 2, 34 to 35. Um, and it says, and St. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, here's the passage, his mother, behold, this child is set for the ruin and for the resurrection of many in Israel and for a sign which will, which shall be contradicted and thy own soul, a sword shall pierce, and out of many hearts, thoughts may be revealed. And that was in Luke. That was the first sorrow of Our Lady. Right away, she takes Our Lord to be presented in the temple, and she's already told, this is it. You're going to start a life of pain. More when we come back, we're going to walk with Our Lady with the rest of the sorrows, but look at the hopeful promises she gives us. All right, well, welcome back here to the Dr. Blue Sandoval Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. As always, if you have any questions, uh, feel free to email me at drsandovalvmpr at gmail.com. That's vmpr at gmail.com. Today, we're talking about a couple things in terms of the life of Our Lady. We're talking about the dogma of the assumption, which is a beautiful dogma, but we're also talking about remembering that Our Lady also suffered uh, here on earth, that it wasn't a, a, a peachy keen life without any suffering, without any problems. And we remember that in the seven sorrows of Our Lady. So she did have her Good Friday before she had her Assumption, which we will be celebrating this Sunday. Um, but next month, the month of September, is dedicated to Our Lady of Sorrows. Why is this important? Because if we look at the, uh, the sorrows of Our Lady, <clears throat> we can see how this can affect us in many ways, and she can actually relate to us, especially if we suffer from mental or physical health uh, ailments or anything, uh, uh, problems in that area. Um, if we look at the first sorrow of Our Lady, I just read it before the break, it was the prophecy of St. Simeon at the temple, uh, and we see that in Luke chapter 2, verses 34 to 35, and it says, And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is set for the ruin and for the resurrection of many in Israel, and for a sign which shall be contradicted, and thy own soul a sword shall pierce, and out of many hearts thoughts may be revealed. <clears throat> this is hard for Our Lady to hear. Why is it, you know, my son is young, he's, he's here to bring the glory of God, but he's going to suffer. And 
I would, you know, we can look at this and say, was Our Lady blindsided by this or not? I don't know that she was blindsided, but it's hard to hear. It's hard to accept that this is going to happen. And I think that that can happen to a lot of us. How many times in our life do we get news that we're not ready for? News that pierces our hearts and that we feel is overwhelming and we're not sure how to overcome that. The second sorrow of Our Lady was the flight into Egypt. And this is from Matthew uh, chapter 2, verses 13 through 15. But when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph, saying, Arise and take the child and his mother and flee into Egypt and remain there until I tell thee. For Herod will seek the child to destroy him. So he arose and took the child and his mother by night and withdrew into Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod, that what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet might be fulfilled. Out of Egypt I called my son." So again, how many times in our lives do we feel like we just have to up and move in different ways? It might not be physical. It might not be like, oh, you're going to have to get up and move to a new home or, or change, you know, move to a new city. That happens to a lot of people. And sometimes people can relate to that. They get a new job or something along those lines. But how many times do things change in our lives where we're forced to flee, if you will, or move where there's a break? You know, we lose a friend. We get into an argument. Our hearts are forced to flee that relationship. Um, we find ourselves in an abusive relationship and we need to break that up and we have to flee that situation. You know, that can happen as well. For Our Lady, all of a sudden overnight, has to take her newborn son and flee to a whole different country uh, by foot. You know, this wasn't, uh, you're going to get on an airplane and go. This is, we're going to travel and this is not going to be easy. And the reason that we're leaving is because your child's going to, is in grave danger. You know, are you going to be having uh, checkpoints along the way? We don't know. You know, we don't know what we're going to have to find, but this is what's going to happen. This is what we need to do um, in order to protect our son. The third sorrow was the loss of the child in Jerusalem. So when uh, Jesus, when the, you know, Jesus was in the temple, they couldn't find him. Uh, this is coming from Luke chapter two, uh, verses 43 to 45. And and after they had fulfilled the days when they were returning, the boy Jesus named in, re, remained in Jerusalem, and his parents did not know it. But thinking that he was in the caravan, they had come a day's journey before it occurred to them to look for him among their relatives and acquaintances, and not finding him, they returned to Jerusalem in search of him. So what anguish anybody who's lost a child, anybody who's lost a child by, you know, terrible kidnappings or, you know, missing children. We see that all the time. Uh, We hear about that on the news. I can't even imagine that anguish, but Our Lady experienced some of that where she couldn't find her son. Um, What about missing our children or our children being gone because they're lost to drugs or they're lost to a life of sin or they're lost to a life where they don't want to be part of our families? That can be very challenging as well. Our Lady suffered some of that as she was separated from Christ, separated from her son, and did not know where he was, assuming that he was part of the caravan. The fourth sorrow of Our Lady, um, she meets Jesus on the way across. Now we hit Calvary, and now we see that Jesus is going on his way to Golgotha, and she sees him in his suffering, and there is nothing she can do because she knows that this is what he was destined for. And as a mother who would want to protect her children, understands that we have a mission and we have to follow it through, but she is standing there with us, um, and this is from Luke chapter 2, verse 17. And bearing the cross for himself, he went forth to the place called the Skull, in Hebrew, Golgotha. But that's where Our Lady um, met him and saw him on the way of the cross. We remember that in the fourth uh, station of the cross, and it's also the fourth sorrow of Our Lady. <clears throat> the fifth sorrow of Our Lady, Jesus dies on the cross. I can't imagine a mother seeing her son dying and standing there, but and when everybody else is gone, it's her and John and the other Mary who were there. Um, 
and they're alone, you know, and, and there's nobody else there and she just has to stand there. And how helpless must you feel when you see your child dying and there's nothing you can do? I think of, and this reminds me of, you know, having worked in the pediatrics wards um, and these children have cancers, leukemias, things of that nature, and the parents are there and they're trying to get the medication the best as possible, but they know that the time is coming for their child to die um, and they're just watching this and they can kind of feel helpless. This is taken from John chapter 19. He went forth to the place called the skull in Hebrew Golgotha where they crucified him and with him two others, one on each side and Jesus in the center. And Pilate also wrote on the inscription and had it put on the cross. And there was written, Jesus of Nazareth, King of the Jews. You know, and Mary standing at the foot of the cross. This is where the words reverberate, a soul shall, a sword shall pierce thy soul, as Simeon told her, right? And so this is where you're standing there. And then the other thing to consider is our lady's watching her son die, but it's not like he's dying a hero's death. She knows that spiritually it's a hero's death. She has to see with the eyes of faith that this is a hero's death in heaven, that he's doing something great for the entire universe. But through our earthly eyes, he's dying as a criminal among two other criminals. That's got to be hard for him mom to see. This is a big sorrow of our lady. This can't be easy. This is part of her. She's right there on Good Friday. The sixth sorrow of our lady. Mary holds the lifeless body of Jesus in her arms. This is coming from Matthew chapter 27. Now when it was the evening, there came a certain rich man of Arimathea, Joseph by name, who was himself a disciple of Jesus. He went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate ordered the body to be given up. So Our Lady is there to receive now a lifeless body. I can't imagine seeing the lifeless body of my children. I know I've worked in the hospitals and I've been there when people pass away and it's never a fun scene. It's always um, challenging spiritually. It can be very enriching depending on the death. Sometimes very faithful filled people. Hopefully we can have a prayer. But when people die of a heart attack or die unexpectedly and quickly and overnight and also the family is there and they see this who was once their loved one, their relative, and now is a lifeless body, it's never an easy scene to accept. Our Lady there now sees that the life has gone out of Christ. It's just a body and has to be taken to the tomb. And then the seventh sorrow is Jesus is laid in the tomb. And so this has got to be difficult for Our Lady because it's the final chapter. It's the closing of the, of the tomb door that rolled a stone over. Let's read what the scriptures have to say. This is John chapter 19, verses 40 to 42. They therefore took the body of Jesus and wrapped it in linen cloths with spices after the Jewish man, excuse me, after the Jewish manner of preparing for burial. Now in the place where there, where he was crucified, there was a garden, and in the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. There accordingly, because of the preparation day of the Jews, for the tomb was close at hand, they laid Jesus. And this is the end. This is really where the eyes of faith have to come in, because all of a sudden we're putting Jesus in the tomb. You know, the disciples are nowhere, the apostles are nowhere around. They're thinking, this guy's dead. Everything he was talking about, who knows what's going to happen. Kept talking about resurrections and things like that. But now he's in the tomb and they're closing the stone and it's over. And Our Lady has to accept that her, lifefully, the, the earthly life of her son is gone. And she has to put her whole faith in God and ask herself, is this, is this going to be true? Is this, you know, everything that he said, everything that we're doing, is this the truth? Is this uh, what's going to happen? She had to have full faith in God. Um, my my guess is that her level of faith, being as humble as she was, is going to be beyond what I can imagine. But the pain that she must have felt, because this is not just her son, but she understands him as her God as well, and seeing the suffering he had to go through, there's no way that she could not have experienced an infinite amount of pain, um, shall we say, in a similar vein as Christ did. 
we know this tells us, um, another article tells us, this is an event of love um, that Our Lady did this. Uh, let's look at this uh, and as far as, you know, in terms of her and her suffering with, with Christ for us, knowing that this was something she was going to have to endure for the betterment of humanity. When we celebrate this, we can see why Our Lady's assumption into heaven is also an event of love. This takes us back to the assumption. We have to see what we're going to do in terms of this has to go full circle, and we're hoping the same for us. This is why we're going to meditate on the sorrows of Our Lady, because it's going to help us in different ways. But let's finish off this other article that tells us about the assumption. Let's go back and remember, it's not all grim, because as Our Lady suffered, she knew that she was suffering for a much greater glory. And it says, let us consider for a moment the, the assumption must have been for Mary in describing this scene. Some of the church fathers spoke of Jesus himself coming back to earth to take his mother and bring her to a heavenly home. More recently, John Paul II said the assumption truly was an event of love in which Mary's ardent longing to be with her son was finally fulfilled. So this is where the pain of being separated from her son after uh, the, the crucifixion and the burial, this is where the pain is in. And then the assumption is her resurrection, if you will, her coming into heaven. In fact, many paintings of the Assumption portray Mary rising in splendor on a cloud to heaven, received by the angels with trumpets and celebration, and reunited joyfully with her beloved son. Um, There, Mary is portrayed, uh, excuse me one second here, wrong one. The depiction captures an aspect of Mary's Assumption that offers us hope in the midst of our trials in the valleys of tears. This is the hope that God will carry us through our distress and lift up our heavenly hearts. So take a moment right now and ask yourself, what burdens, troubles, and worries are weighing you down? How can you entrust yourself more in God's loving care? Our Lady suffered. She's going to understand our sufferings. But Our Lady also wants us to have and a share in the resurrection of Christ. She also wants us to have our, an experience of going into heaven triumphantly the way she did and the way that we hope that we will through the resurrection of Christ. Christ rose from the dead and he promised us that if we live with him and we die with him, we will also rise with him. In the same way, what we're going to look at coming up after the break is if we follow Our Lady, if we venerate Our Lady in her sorrows, if we pray and meditate on her sorrows, if we do a novena on her sorrows, what promises does she have for us? This is going to be important because we want to take on this challenge and we're going to see what does meditating on her sorrows do? Not just the promises she gives us, but how is that going to help us in our perfection? All right, welcome back to Dr. Luis Sandoval Show here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Today we are talking about Our Lady of Sorrows. Well, we're talking about the Assumption, the feast that's coming up. Very big feast. Wonderful, beautiful feast Our Lady assumed into heaven. But we're also talking about how we can't forget that Our Lady suffered and she suffers along with us. And we see that in the promises, well, in the seven sorrows that we discussed of Our Lady. But it's not without hope. And there are promises uh, that Our Lady made. And she made them through St. Bridget of Sweden. And then after we talk about St. Bridget of Sweden, I'm going to say, wait, there's more. Because she did talk about uh, there are more promises to come um, from Our Lord. And Our Lady also spoke to um, to Mary Claire of Kibeho, I can never say that, in Rwanda. Um, and she discussed our, our, the promises of, our seven, uh, of devotion to our seven sorrows. So here's what I want to do. Before we get into the promises, one of the things to consider is that when we do a novena to Our Lady of Seven Sorrows, um, one of the things is that Our Lady is going to help reveal to us our imperfections, 
our sins, the things that are keeping us away from God. And through that, we're going to be able to make a perfect act of contrition. We're going to be able to make a perfect confession, and we're going to be able to be in a full state of grace. That's really what the challenge is going to be. I want to make sure that we do a novena to Our Lady of Sorrows, and this is how it's going to start. After the Assumption on Sunday, once a week, I'm going to focus on the seven sorrows of Our Lady on Friday, preferably because it's the passion of our Lord and we're going to equate or we're going to put with that our, the passion of our lady. Um, and we're going to look at the seven sorrows and we're going to look at what our lady went through her passion here on earth, what she had to suffer, um, to help us get to heaven. And so every Friday for a month, just a month, uh, this is not going to be a 12 week challenge. It's going to be a month challenge. Um, we're going to focus on the seven sorrows of our lady and we're going to start a novena finally starting on september 8th which is the birth of our lady ending on september 15th which is our lady of sorrows so actually the whole month of september is dedicated to our lady of sorrows but we're going to do a full novena from september 8th to september 15th before that starting at right after uh, august 15th so it would be 15th um 16 17 18 19 20 so august 20th uh, which would be the the next Friday after the Assumption, right? If I'm calculating, yes, August 20th. I'm going to start by focusing on the seven sorrows of Our Lady every Friday until we get to September 18th, and I'm going to do a novena from September 8th to September 15th for Our Lady of Sorrows. The goal of this, the goal of our novena, the goal of our prayer, the goal of focusing on Our Lady's seven sorrows is to gain us understanding of ourselves, of our imperfections, what we need to fix, what I might need to go confess, um, <clears throat> and I think that'll, who, who wouldn't want that? That's going to be further steps towards peace and perfection. But let's look at what did Saint, uh, what did our lady tell St. Bridget of Sweden as far as the promises she made? So remember, I'm always looking for peace. Remember the Holy Hour challenge was we were going to focus, we were going to do Holy Hours focusing on the virtues of faith, hope, and love in order to achieve peace in our lives. Well, guess what? These are the seven promises our lady made to St. Bridget of Sweden. Number one, promise if you focus on the seven sorrows if you pray to our lady through the intercession of the seven sorrows number one is i will grant peace to their families start let's start with that who could not use a little bit more peace in our families in today's day and age uh, number two they will be enlightened about divine mysteries we're going to be have a greater understanding you know sometimes we sit there and we think oh man how am i going to read the summa theologica saint thomas aquinas what a smart guy. He had such divine inspiration. He had all this knowledge where it had to, had to come from somewhere. He wasn't born with it. Our lady's telling us that if we focus on our sorrows, the second promises that we'll be enlightened about divine mysteries. I'll take that. I'll learn more about God. How could that not be good? Number three, I will console them in their pains and I will accompany them in their work. Again, our lady knew how to suffer. She suffered great pains. This is what we think about. This is why we focus on the seven sorrows. We meditate on the seven sorrows. She will be consoling us in our pains. She understands our pain. She understands what we go through here on earth. She understands that it's not an easy life. It's not a perfect life. She took her flight into Egypt. She saw her son die. She knew that swords were going to pierce her heart. And she knows that swords, we feel like swords pierce our hearts at times as well. But she herself will be consoling us. Our lady will be consoling us. She's telling us this. These are promises she made. And she's going to accompany us in our work. That's very important. Number four, I will give them as much as they ask for, as long as it does not oppose the adorable will of my divine son or the sanctification of their souls. This is an, a, a blank check. I will give them as much as they long for. 
This is from Our Lady. She will give us whatever it is that we're asking for, of course, with a caveat that it's not going to oppose the divine will of Christ or that it's going to ruin our souls. We're not going to ask her for something that's corrupt. We're hopefully going to ask her for graces and perfection and a higher place in heaven, maybe, or getting closer to God. And she's saying to us with a blank check, you focus on my sorrows, I will grant this. Number five, this problem is number five. I will defend them in their spiritual battles with the infernal enemy, and I will protect them at every instant of their lives. You know, we're always talking about spiritual warfare here on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. We're talking about how, you know, we're well aware that there are entities that don't want us to get to heaven, that would want to see us fail. And Our Lady's saying that she's going to defend us in this battle. She herself, who is mighty, who is the, the general of our of our uh, armies, of our spiritual armies, and she herself is going to be defending us in our spiritual battles. How much more can we ask for there? That's promise number five. Promise number six, I will visibly help them at the moment of their death. They will see the face of their mother. Okay. How many people are afraid to die? How many people say, I'm not ready to die. I'm scared. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I don't, gosh, in that death, but I see people die. I'm, I'm worried about my own death. I'm worried. I don't want to die yet. Well, that, those are normal, normal feelings. I'm not going to tell anybody, no, you should totally be happy about death. No, it's normal as a human being. None of us want to die. We, we get scared. We don't know what's going to happen in our death. Um, we want to live. There's a natural preservation of life that God gave us. Life is beautiful. And we're scared of the unknown. We're not sure what's going to happen when I pass away. Am I going to have a dormition like Our Ladies? Am I just going to go to sleep and all of a sudden the gates of heaven will open before me and there will be angels there, you know, happy to see us come in? I hope so. That would be beautiful. Um, but Our Lady's telling us, I will visibly help them at the moment of their death. Meaning that we don't have to worry about this. We're going to see it happening. Our lady's going to be there and they will see the face of their mother. As we're dying, this is a promise here. Promise number six, we're going to see the face of our lady on the moment. I think that that's a good way to go. I don't know if you're, if, if I'm a betting man, if you ask me, I think that's a good way to go. I think if I'm on my deathbed I get to see our lady and she's going to be there visibly helping me at the moment of death. I think I'll focus on her sorrows for a little while. I think I'll accompany her in her pain because she's going to be there for us. She understands that this could be a scary moment for us and she's going to be there like a good mother to make it easier for us, to be there, to guide us through it. I can't ask for a lot more than that, but wait, there's more. There's promise number seven. I have obtained this grace from my divine son. Okay, so our lady went to Jesus. We know that Jesus turned water into wine because Our Lady went to Jesus. Let's see what Jesus is going to do for us here um, as Our Lady obtained a grace from the Divine Son. She says that those who propagate this devotion to my tears and dolors, so my sorrows, will be taken directly from this earthly life to eternal happiness since all their sins will be forgiven and my son and I will be their eternal consolation and joy. I'll take it. I'll take it. Let's read that one more time. I have obtained this divine grace from my, I'm excuse me, I have obtained this grace from my divine son. We know that our Lord never says no to our lady. So she's already said, son, I'm asking for this divine grace. He turned the water to wine because our lady asked him to, even though it wasn't his hour as he told her, but he never turns down his mother. That those who propagate this devotion, so now that we're learning about it and now that our listeners are hearing about it, now we got to propagate it. Propagate this devotion to my tears and dolors. Remember, Our Lady suffered. It was not a perfect life. Her assumption is beautiful, but she had to go through her Good Friday. Will be taken directly from this earthly life to eternal happiness. Directly. No pit stop. Sounds like no purgatory. S to eternal happiness since all their sins will be forgiven. 
She's asked Jesus, hey, if somebody suffers with me, if somebody looks at my seven sorrows with me, will you just forgive all their sins and just get them into heaven? Because it reminds, if they went with me through this, can we give them a mini assumption? Maybe not their body and soul, but their, but their soul. You know, can we just get them straight into heaven? All their sins will be forgiven and my son and I will be their eternal consolation and joy. I'll take it. I, I don't know how it gets better than that. You know, there's promises of the rosary we've talked about. These are the promises of seven sorrows. But wait, there's more. That was Our Lady's promises to St. Bridget. All of a sudden, additionally, it was relayed by St. Alphonse Liguori in his classic work, The Glories of Mary. Our Lord promised four graces to those devoted to the sorrows of his Blessed Mother. So Our Lady made promises, and this is how important, this is how much Jesus loves Mary. He's saying, if you honor Our Lady, if you honor your mother, if you meditate on her sorrows, I'm going to give you these four promises. Let's look at these four promises. These are biggies. This is from Jesus, that those who before death invoke the Divine Mother in the name of her sorrows will obtain true repentance for all their sins. Before death. So that means this is why we're doing this novena. We're invoking uh, the Divine Mother in the name of her sorrows, and we're going to attain true repentance for all of our sins, which means that we're going to be, our sins might be revealed. That might not be pretty, but I'll take the repentance. I'll go through my, through my pain if I can get rid of that, if I can get rid of the sins, if I can make amends for it. That's like a promise number two from Jesus Christ himself, that he will protect all those who have this devotion in their tribulations and will protect them, especially at the hour of death, that Jesus will protect us in our tribulations and protect us at the hour of death. I'll take that. That he will impress on their minds the remembrance of his passion. So this is important. Notice, remember I said this passion parallels our Lord's passion. This is our lady going through her passion on earth, and this is paralleling our Lord's passion. So he will impress on our minds and remember his passion as well. So this is for people who say, well, now you're going to be worshiping Mary or, you know, you're focusing, making Mary more important. No, what Jesus is saying is, this is Jesus telling us, he's saying, this is no less than my passion. So by doing this, I will also impress on your mind my passion. It will be there with you because I expect you to honor your mother. I expect you to honor Mary. I expect you to honor my mother and her sorrows. And this is going to, I'm going to show you how this parallels my passions as well, how it doesn't take away from anything by you doing this. My passions are there as well. This is important because he's saying this doesn't take away from anything. This isn't elevating her above Christ's passions. He's showing you how these are parallel. Promise number four that he will place such devout servants in Mother Mary's hands to do with them as she wishes and to obtain for them all the graces she desires. Let's read that again. That Jesus says that he will place such devout servants, in other words, anybody who meditates on Our Lady Sorrows, um, he will place them in her hands to obtain all the graces she desires to give us. She's a good mother. I don't think I don't see how you know, this could be bad at all. So let's look at this moving forward. Let's look at this Holy Hour challenge. I uh, we didn't get to the uh, promises made to Marie Claire of Rwanda, but we're going to look at those as we keep talking about this um, uh, sorrows. I'm sorry, the Novena challenge, not the Holy Hour challenge. So you said the Holy Hour challenge. The challenge of the Novena to Our Lady of Sorrows. We're going to talk more about that in the upcoming shows because we're going to prepare for that over the next month 
as we get ready to celebrate Our Lady of Sorrows. The month of September dedicated to Our Lady of Sorrows. We celebrate the birth of Our Lady in the month of September. We celebrate the Holy Name of Mary in the month of September. And we celebrate Our Lady of Sorrows one month after the Assumption. I hope everybody has a happy Assumption this Sunday and that we look forward to renewing ourselves and removing sin from our lives through Our Lady of Sorrows. Until next week, this is Dr. Sandoval signing off from the Dr. Sandoval Festival.